that you would help us to learn your word tonight. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Alright, well we're there in Joshua chapter number 23, and we've been preaching through the book of Joshua, as you very well know, on Sunday nights, and we're getting close to the end. we got Joshua 23, and then next week we'll be in Joshua 24, and then we'll be done with the book of Joshua. And we've gone through the entire book of Joshua and learned a lot there. And in Joshua 23, uh, look at verse number 1 real quickly, just kind of to give you the context of what's going on. The Bible says, And it came to pass a long time after that the Lord had given rest unto Israel from all their enemies round about, that Joshua waxed old and stricken in age. So Joshua is getting now to a very uh, old age. He's actually getting ready to die. If you look at verse 14 in the same chapter, look what it says. He says, And Behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. He's saying, look, I'm getting ready to die. He says, I'm old. He said, I'm stricken in age. He says, I'm pretty much done here. And he gathers the people together. Look at verse 2. And Joshua called for all Israel and for their elders and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers and said unto them, I am old and stricken in age. And ye have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto all these nations because of you, for the Lord your God is He that hath fought for you. So here's what Joshua is saying. He's saying, I'm old. He said, I'm, I'm getting ready to die. He said, I'm getting ready to be done here. And he says, you have seen everything that God has done. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, you have seen everything that God has done through the time that Joshua is the leader. Because you got to understand, Joshua's been the leader for some time now, and he's reminding them that everything that got done, and everything that got accomplished, and everything, that, that all the success that they had, all the land that they acquired, all the battles that were won, he said everything that was done while I was the leader of the nation here, he says it was done not because of me, but because of God. Look at verse 3 again. Look at the last part of verse 3. For the Lord your God is He that hath fought for you. Now as any leader, and any person... I believe that the purpose behind the next two chapters, and we're only going to deal with chapter 23 tonight, and we'll deal with chapter 24 next week. But Joshua in these chapters is giving one last challenge. One last sermon. One last, just few words that he can give to these people to try to explain. And here's what I believe Joshua's trying to do. He's afraid that... All the work that he did, and all the effort that he put into these people, and into the children of Israel, into every, he's afraid that it's going to go to waste after he's gone. And he's trying to give them a few lessons in regards to how to not waste all the work that has been accomplished. And you know, in my life and in your life, if you've attempted to grow in your Christian walk, and I think that if you're here in church on a Sunday night, I'm sure you have. And you know what? It's very easy for us to take all the time and effort that we have put into our walk with God, that we have put into our Bible reading and into our prayer time, that we have invested into church, that we have invested into our walk with God. And you know, it would be very easy for us to just throw that away and for it to mean nothing. And I don't think any of us would like to, to say that. You know, many of us, and my wife and myself, but not just my wife and myself, but many of you have invested a lot into this church in the last two years and eight months. 
And there's been a lot of work that has been done here. And of course, there's much more work to do. But wouldn't you hate to see Verity Baptist Church go by the wayside? After all the soul winning, after all the salvations, after all the preaching, after all the lessons you've learned, after all the Bible you've learned, after all the different things you've learned, wouldn't it be a horrible thing for you to just come to Verity Baptist Church one day and see, you know, the doors locked up and see the sign hanging down and see maybe a note that says, you know, out of business. And I know we're not out of business, but do you understand what I'm saying? That's the fear that Joshua has. Joshua says, we've accomplished a lot, we've done a lot, I'm excited for what we've done, but he says, I don't want to see this go to waste. And he gives them three things in this chapter, and we'll look at the next chapter next week, but in this, in this chapter, he gives them three things, three challenges, three things he wants them to realize, that if they're going to continue to do that which God wants them to do, they're going to have to learn these things. Look at verse 6 there, Joshua 23, look at verse number 6, the Bible says, and Joshua said, be ye therefore very correct. Courageous, to keep and to do all the law that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that ye turn not aside therefrom to the right hand or to the left. Now here's what's interesting. Joshua is now the old man getting ready to pass on, looking down at the new generation, looking down at the next generation, looking down at the young generation, and he says to them, Be ye therefore very courageous, and keep and to do all the, that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Now you say, well, why is that interesting? Keep your finger there in Joshua 23, and go over to Joshua chapter number 1. Joshua chapter number 1, we dealt with these verses at the beginning when we were dealing with Joshua, but I want you to see them again in Joshua chapter 1. In Joshua chapter number 1, you find a different picture. In Joshua chapter number 1, you find Joshua as the young man, and you find Moses as the old man. Okay, you find Moses getting ready to leave, you know, leaving the scene, and you find Joshua as the new generation coming up. Are you there in Joshua chapter 1? Look at verse 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying... Now it's interesting, what did God say to Joshua when Joshua was a young man beginning his ministry? Look what he says. Look at verse 6. Be strong and of a good courage. Does that sound familiar? He said, Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Joshua was told as a young man, be strong, be very courageous. He said, observe, they told him, observe to do according to all the law. They told him, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left. Keep your finger there in Joshua 1. Go back to Joshua 20. So what does the old man Joshua tell the new generation coming up after him? Look what he says, verse 6. Be ye therefore very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law, that ye turn not aside therefrom from the right hand or the left. Here's the point. Joshua was told, Joshua was given a challenge, Joshua was given a teaching, Joshua was given a doctrine when he was a young man starting out. And now, many years later, as the old man leaving the scene... He looks at the new generation, and what does he say? The exact same thing. Isn't that interesting? 
See, what you got to understand is this. If you and I, in our Christianity, go to Psalm with me real quickly. If we are going to make good use of the work that has been laid before, we need to understand that what was good for the previous generation is good for the next generation. Today there is this philosophy that, oh, we don't need that old time religion. We don't need that old, you know, that was good for, for, for my dad, and that was good for my mom, and that was good for my grandparents, and that was good for that previous generation, the faith of our fathers. But today, we need a new idea. Today, we need a new concept. Today, we need a new Bible. Today, you know, those old hymns, that was good for that old generation. But today, we need, you know, newer music, contemporary music. We need newer Bibles, contemporary Bibles. That old soul wanting, knocking on doors, preaching the gospel. There's different ways to do it. Let me tell you something. Joshua was saying to those people, when I was a young man, I was told to be strong, courageous, to follow the law of the Lord, to not turn aside from it. And he tells the new generation to do the same thing. See, the Bible tells us in the book of Jeremiah, it says, ask for the old paths. And, you know, we ought to quit trying to figure out, you know, what can we do today to reach the people? And what can we do today to reach the young people? And what can we do today to be different? And why don't we just get back to the old path? Because that's what we need. We've got to get in our minds that if we're going to continue to do what God wants for us to do, we need to pass down what we've learned. Are you there in Psalm uh, 78? Look at verse 1. Psalm 78, verse 1. Psalm 78, 1. Bible says, give ear, O my people, to my law. Psalm 78. Psalm 78, verse 1. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the word of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord, and His strength, and His wonderful work that He hath done. For He established a testimony in Jacob, and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers, that they should, notice this, make them known to their children. I told Brother Vincent I was going to use him as an example. Last Friday night at men's preaching night, he preached a sermon. He talked about how he was doing it with his grandkids. And he was wanting to teach his grandkids. And let me tell you, that's a very biblical, that's a very admirable concept. The Bible tells us to make them known to their children. Look at verse 6. That the generation to come, you see that? The next generation, that the generation to come might know them, might know what? The law of God. Even the children which should be born. You see that? He says, look, we've got to make sure we pass this thing down to the next generation to the point where the children, but even the unborn children, the children that should be born, who should arise and declare them, look what it says, to their children. You see that? See, sometimes people come to Verity Baptist Church, and I love it when people say this to me. They say, man, I come to this church. I mean, It's like walking into a little house on the prairie. And I think to myself, Little House of Perry, they were liberals. Good night. We're not, you know, but they're just saying, oh, it's so old-fashioned. And you know, here's the thing. You know, people say, oh, it's like, you come to this church, it's so old-fashioned. The, the dress standards, and the this, and the preaching, and the music, and that. And, and here's the interesting thing. I, I'm a young man. You think I came up with this stuff? 
You think Pastor Jimenez came up with this thing about the King James Bible and this thing about soul wanting and this thing about the, the old hands? Look, I'm just teaching to you what was passed down to me. Amen. And if we're going to continue to do that which we need to do, we need to realize we are not going to survive unless we figure out a way to get into these young kids and into these young people and get in their minds and get in their hearts a relationship and a walk with God like it was given to us. See, it's not enough for dad and mom and the pastor and the elder people in the church to walk with God. We need to teach that to the next generation. We need to pass that down to the next generation. Do you understand that Christianity is at the verge of extinction every generation? If we fail to pass down what we've learned. But see, it's not just to our children physically. It's also spiritually to our children. Go to 2 Timothy chapter number 2. 2 Timothy in your New Testament there. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Look at verse number 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. And verse 2. Well, look at verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter number 2 verse 1. The Bible says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Notice, does that sound familiar? Be strong and very courageous. Sounds like Paul saying the same thing that Joshua was saying and that Moses was saying. Look what he says in verse 2. And the thing that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. See, we need to have a 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2 type ministry. There are so many churches today in America, so many pastors today, who stand up to preach with the King James Bible in their hand, and who believe in personal evangelism, and who believe in modest dress standards, and their, their wife dresses the way the Bible says she ought to dress, and the man dresses the way, and they got their hair cut the way they're supposed to. But you know what the problem is? A lot of churches today, the pastor knows what he believes, the pastor knows where he stands, but the people have no clue. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, I've gone to independent fundamental Baptist church where the pastor's got a King James Bible in his hand and the pastor can tell you why we use the King James Bible. But people in the pews walking in with an NIV and they don't even know there's anything wrong with it. And if you're here tonight and you don't know what's wrong with it, we can teach you, but here's the point. It's not just enough for the pastor or the leader. It's not just enough, mom, dad, for you to know why you go to church. Brass that down to your kids and teach them and explain to them why they ought to walk with God. And it's not just enough for the pastor to know, well, we've got these stats. Hey, it's my job to teach you why you ought to walk with God so that the next generation can learn it also. What we need is to pass down what we've learned. Joshua says, all I can tell you is that which has been taught to me. He said, I was told to be strong and courageous. I was told to follow the law. I was told to not walk away from it. And I'm telling you, be strong, be courageous, follow the law, don't walk away from it, don't turn aside from it. Joshua is teaching the people that you've got to pass down what you've learned. And the truth of the matter is, you can go back to Joshua 23. America is reaping what she's sowed because we've had a whole generation of quote-unquote Christians who have failed to pass down what they were taught. I mean, do you think it's a coincidence that the average Christian kid today grows up to just live in fornication? The average Christian child today turns 18, never goes back to church? The average Christian child today doesn't know the Bible. What? You say, well, their moms were godly and their dads were godly. They might have been. But they failed to pass down what they learned. 
And we must pass that down. Joshua said, number one, pass down what you've learned. But number two, look at verse number seven. Joshua 23 and verse number seven. The Bible says that ye come not among these nations. These that remain among you, neither make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow, your, nor bow yourselves to them. So Joshua says to the people, he says, number one, you need to pass down what you've learned. But he says, number two, you need to pass up wrong relationships. Do you see what he's saying? Look at verse 7. That ye come not among these nations. Go to Proverbs real quickly. You're just in Psalms, so it should be fairly easy to find. Right after the book of Psalms, you got the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. Joshua tells the people, hey, pass down what you've learned. But then Joshua tells the people, I want you to pass up wrong relationships. And Joshua tells the children of Israel to come not among these nations. You say, well, why? What's wrong with being around these nations? Here's what you got to understand. Are you there in Proverbs 22? I'm not preaching about this, but I want you to see it's a, it's a truth found in Scripture. Proverbs chapter number 22. Look at verse number 24. Proverbs 22. And look at verse 24. The Bible says, Make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man, thou shalt not go. Now God is saying, look, be very careful who your friends are. He said, be very careful who you spend time with. He said, be very careful who you spend a lot of time with. He says, make no friendship. And here, he gives an example of an angry man. You say, well, what is the problem with hanging around with an angry man? Look at verse 25. Lest thou learn his ways. Do you see that? And get a snare to thy soul. See, he said, here's why you don't want to spend a lot of time with someone who's always angry, because they're going to rub off on you. And here's the truth. The, when you spend time with people, they rub off on you. You ever been around, you ever see like teenagers who are friends, and they're all dressed the same? Now, they don't, they don't really do it on purpose. I don't think they do. It's not, maybe the girls do, but I don't think these guys are calling each other, hey, what are you wearing? You know what I mean? <laughs> But they all, you know, like you see these guys and they all got like the little skinny jeans, you know what I mean? They're like real tight. And they all got like the little skinny shirt. I, I can't be talking because we just had like those little skinny ties that the guys were wearing, you know what I mean? But you know, you see these guys, they all got the same haircut, they all got the same... You can always tell when guys, you know, when they're friends. And here's the truth. When you start hanging around people, you, people start rubbing off on each other. You know, I've been to churches where I walk in and everybody, you know, like the pastor's kind of a jerk and everybody in the church is a jerk. You know what I mean? That's why like, I try to teach you people to be nice. You know, I don't want people being like, man, that pastor must be a jerk, because that guy's a jerk. He's like, no, that's not, I think he's a jerk too. You know what I mean? But, uh, but it's true. You spend time around people, you're going to start acting like them. You, 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 know, you, you spend time around people, and you're going you're gonna to hear them say things that are going to... You know, my wife is going to say things that may remind you of something I might say, or I may say something I might... And you say, well, why is it? Because we spend time together. And the more time you spend with someone, they're going to rub off on you. And what this proverb is teaching us, look at what it says, Proverbs 24. Make no friendship with an angry man, 
and with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest, the word lest means unless thou learn his ways. The more time you spend with people, you'll start to become like those people. That's why this morning, when we were talking about loving the brethren, and loving the brotherhood, and being around God's people, why? Because you spend time around people that love God, and guess what? You'll start loving God. You spend time around people that want to go soul winning and reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you'll know, you know what you'll start doing? Is wanting to go soul winning and, and reach the gospel. You spend time around people that, that, that want to read the Bible and want to live righteously and you'll start doing right. You'll start living righteously. But you start spending time around this worldly crowd and they're drinking and they're blaspheming the name of God and they're smoking cigarettes and they're doing and they're talking about this movie and they're talking about that and they're doing this. Let me tell you something. You start spending time around people that are worldly and I promise you, you'll start being worldly. You start spending time around people that don't care about God, you'll stop caring about God. You spend time around people that don't care about church, you'll stop caring about church. It's the truth. It's called peer pressure. And it works both ways. It's positive and negative. And Joshua understood this. Go to Amos, real quickly. Amos, in the Old Testament there. You can find the book of Hosea. Remember we were in Hosea on Wednesday night? You find Hosea. Then you got the book of Joel right after Hosea. And then you got the book of Amos. Daniel, Hosea, Joel, and the book of Amos. Look at verse number... Amos chapter number 3, look at verse 3. Very well-known verse. Amos chapter number 3 and verse 3. The Bible says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? Now the answer is this, no. Two people cannot walk together except they be agreed. You say, well, I, do you, let me ask you, do you agree with blasphemy? You know, just just taking the name of the Lord thy God in vain, do you agree with that? Then why do you spend time around people that do? Say, so, well, I don't agree with that. Well, can two walk together except they be agreed? It, you, the, the police call it this, guilty by association. You know, well, I don't, I don't believe in drinking, then why do you spend time with people that are drinking? Well, I don't believe in fornicating, then why do you spend time with people that are fornicating? Well, I don't believe in, in looking at that filth, then why do you spend time with people that are looking at that filth? Because you may not think there's any, you know, you're, well, I, that's them. But eventually, I promise you, you spend enough time with someone, it'll rub off. And Joshua understood that. Go back to Joshua 23. So he says to them, I want you to pass down that which ye have been taught. And he said, I want you to pass up these wrong relationships, look at verse 7, that ye come not among these nations, these that remain among you. Say, why don't you want us to be around these nations? Look what he says. Because I don't want you to act like those nations. That's why he says, Neither make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves. He says, just avoid those countries. Why? Because I don't want you to act like those countries. He says, just avoid them. He said, number one, pass down what you've learned. He said, number two, pass up wrong relationships. Number three, I want you to see, he gives them this challenge. He says, pass on with God. Say, what does that mean? Well, the word pass means this, to move or proceed. And he says, I want you to proceed in what you've been doing. Look at verse 8. Joshua 23, verse 8. Look what he says. In verse 7 he said, come not among these nations. And in verse 8 he says, but cleave. He says, this is what I want you to do. He says, don't come among these nations. He says, but, here's what I do want you to do. Cleave unto the Lord your God. As ye have done unto this day. He says, continue to do what you're doing. 
He says, don't stop doing what you're doing. And honestly, my challenge for you today is this. You say, Pastor, I've been reading my Bible. Keep reading your Bible. Pastor, I've been praying. Keep praying. Pastor, I I started to to be faithful with my tithes and offerings. Then keep being faithful with your tithes and offerings. I started going so winning. Be faithful with it. Don't quit on it. Don't give up on it. He says, look, cleave unto the Lord your God as ye have done unto this day. He says, keep doing what you're doing. He says, press on with God. He says, continue on with God. Why? Look at verse 9. For the Lord, He hath driven out from before you great nations and strong. But as for you, no man hath been able to stand before you unto this day. He's saying, look, you want to continue with God because God brought you this far. Any victory you've had, any success you've had, any growth you've had, it's been by the grace of God that God brought you by His grace this far. And you've got to acknowledge that. You've got to take time to acknowledge the fact that any, every good gift is from above. And anything you've ever done that is good and is right is because God allowed you to. It's because God gave you the mercy to do it. God gave you the grace to do it. He says, look, you ought to continue on with God because God brought you this far. But then he says this, look at verse 10. He says, you ought to continue on with God because with God you can do things that you could not normally do. Look at verse 10. One man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God, He it is that fighteth for you as he has promised you. Now let me ask you a question. You think that one man by himself could cause a thousand other men to flee? You know, there's an army of a thousand people. One guy goes out there and says, I'm going I'm to make them run away. They're going to be scared. Now humanly that would be impossible. But with God, look what it says. One man of you shall chase a thousand. Well, God, how can one man chase a thousand? Look what it says. You see the word for? The word for means because. He says, because the Lord your God, He it is that fighteth for you, as He hath promised you. Here's what He's saying. It's not you, it's not the one guy chasing the thousand, it's God chasing the thousand with the one. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's saying, look, with God you can do things that you could not do on your own. Go to Matthew real quickly. Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17, look at verse 20. These are very well-known passages. I know they're well-known, and they're well-known for a reason. Matthew 17, look at verse 20. Matthew chapter 17, look at verse 20. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove... And, notice what it says, nothing shall be impossible unto you. Let me ask you something. You think there's anything impossible? According to this verse, nothing shall be impossible unto you. What's the hardest thing you think you could accomplish in your life? Pastor, you don't understand. My marriage, it can never be restored. It's impossible. Hey, nothing shall be impossible unto you. Pastor, you know what I said? My kids, they've gone wayward, and there's not any, we can't bring them back. There's no getting them right with God. I mean, it is, it's an impossible thing. Hey, nothing shall be impossible unto you. People tell me all the time, it's impossible to build a church the way you're trying to do it. With that type of preaching, and that type of music, and that type of, it's, you're, you're never going to do it. Well, look, I may never be able to do it, but nothing is impossible with God. Amen. Are you there in, in Matthew chapter 17? Look, look at Matthew 19, look at verse 26. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. 
Matthew 19.26 The Bible says, But Jesus beheld them, and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Go to Mark chapter number 10, look at verse 27. Mark chapter number 10, verse number 27. Mark 10, verse 27. And Jesus looking upon them saying, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Aren't these great verses? Yes. Well, Pastor, I, just, I don't think that this could get done. I don't think this could be accomplished. I don't think we could really do this. You think, you think that, that we could, whatever it is. Hey, let me tell you something. With, with men it's impossible. With God, nothing's impossible. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Go to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. You're there in Mark. Luke chapter 1. Look at verse 37. Luke 1, 37. The Bible says this a lot because I think God wants us to understand this. Luke chapter number 1, verse number 37. Actually, look at verse 35. Well, look, look at verse 34, just so you get the context. Luke chapter 1, verse 34. Then said Mary unto the angel. Remember when Mary was going to have the Lord Jesus Christ? How shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. She was just told that she's going to conceive and have the Savior. And she said, well look, I've never been with a man. How can I have a baby if I'm a virgin? Look at verse 35. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore all that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth... She hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. So, Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, who was an older lady, who had never had a child. She was, it was said of her that she was barren, she could not have children. He says, look, she has, she's conceived, she's six months along. Look at verse 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Even you say, well, I, you, couples often say, well, we can't have children, and and and, and we just don't. We're not, it's impossible for us children, and we're going to go get this treatment and work. Let me tell you something: with God, nothing's impossible. If you have the faith of a grain of mustard seed, the Bible says you could move mountains. Go to Luke chapter eighteen. Look at verse twenty-seven. Luke chapter eighteen, verse twenty-seven. Luke chapter eighteen, verse twenty-seven. The Bible says. And he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. I just, I just like how these, wor- these verses are phrased. Luke 18.27 And he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. I don't know what you're struggling with. I really don't. Go back to Joshua 23. I don't know what you you would say. Well, there there is things in our lives. I'll tell you this right now. There are things in our lives that we would all like to see accomplished. And for me, it may be different than you. And that's okay. But there are things in our lives that we would look at and say, Man, how can we do that? How can I do that? How can, you know, how, how can I do that which God wants me to do? Brother Al on, on Sunday, on Men's Preaching, I was preaching about David and Goliath, talking about David, David and Goliath. I'm sure many people looked at Goliath and said, it's impossible to kill that giant. But, and it might have been by human standards, but one could make a thousand flee. With men, it may be impossible, but nothing is impossible with God. We just need to understand that when you are walking with God, God can help you 
to do those things that you could not do on your own. And that is the challenge that Joshua is giving these people. He says, press on with God. He says, continue on with God. And here's the, here's the honest truth. You know, we, we kind of talked about it this morning, dealing with the, the disciples. And the truth is this. You and I have to make a choice. And you may have to make that choice tonight. <laughs> but you and I have to make a choice. Are we going to be a people that truly, honestly walk with God? I didn't say, do you go to church? I didn't say, do you dress right? I didn't say, do you put a tie on for church? Or you ladies put on a skirt for church? I said, in your heart, are you walking with God? That's the challenge that Joshua was giving them. He said, pass down what you've learned. He said, pass up wrong relationships. And he said, pass on. He said, continue on. He said, press on in your walk with God. And if you and I are not going to waste the years that you've given to God, many of you have walked with God longer than Verity Baptist Church has has existed. But you know, honestly, the last two years and ten months or whatever of the existence of Verity Baptist Church and all the work that has gone into this ministry, if we're not just going to waste that, we're going to have to figure out that we've got to teach the next generation of believers what has been passed on to us. And we've got to just steer away from wrong relationships and we need to walk with God. And my question for you is this, are you walking with God? I mean, honestly, are you in your Bible? Are you praying? Are you spending time with God? Do you know God? I didn't say, does God know you? I said, do you know God? And that's what we need. That was the challenge that Joshua... I I can just imagine this old man, as he's ready to die, just challenging these people. Walk with God. And God will help you do that which is impossible. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for the book of Joshua. I know we've been in the book of Joshua for a while now. And I think we're probably ready to move on. But as we finish up the book, help us to get the spirit by which it finishes with this faithful man of God, Joshua, challenging these people to not forsake God to not forsake their walk with God and to continue on in their walk with God. Lord, I pray you'd help us. Help us as people, help us as Christians tonight to just make a choice to get back to the Word of God, to get back to that first love. Father, we love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen.